White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 771. This is Sonny Smith, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis. I'm not even hungry and I can taste it. The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the Final Four. From the Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? Very well, Van. How are you? I'm good. It's been quite the quite the last few days. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. My name's John Ringer. That's what I've heard. Was that it? Was there some question? <laughs> no, I just wanted to do something different. Yeah. Well, you did, and. That's good because we had some different stuff going on. Um, we've got a good bit of stuff to dig into. We've got some hoops to talk about. We got some football transfer portal to talk about. We got some recruiting to talk about. A few other things as well. And of course, we'll we'll get that all started by hitting the old. It's the Auburn Fun Meter. It's our weekly look between a zero and ten scale of how much fun it is to be an Auburn fan right now. And, John, I'm thinking it's better than it was last week. Amen. Yes. Definitely coming off last week uh, where we had the loss to Appalachian State on Sunday, coming to the podcast on Monday. It was It's better than that. Plus Alabama getting into the playoffs. It was just a double yeah, whammy yeah, on Sammy. Yes. And us having to say nice things about Florida State. That was just the, the worst. Ugh. The worst <laughs> right in front of me. <laughs> Yes, well, if I no, can just—you didn't have to play a clip from last week's podcast. Yeah, I know that was that was a that was last week's show, but but after last weekend, my fellow Americans, our long national nightmare is over, and we've moved on to some much better days. So, um, where is your fun meter first and all? I'm going to be honest. I That was one of the most fun basketball games uh, in a long time that I remember. So I, my fun meter right now, with that and recruiting looking good, it's like an eight. Yeah, I was going to say eight. You know, the sad thing for me, and we're going to talk about the basketball game in a minute. Um, the sad thing for me, though, was that I was doing um, – I was having to help my family do some, like, moving stuff. And then we were at lunch – and somebody said, hey, is that Auburn playing basketball on the TV up there? And I'm like, I'm recording it. Don't tell me anything. And somebody said, oh, look, Auburn's up by like 20. And I'm like, ah, no, no. And then uh, and I had it all completely spoiled. But that was all right. So I, I, when I sat down Saturday night to watch it, the recording, I already knew that we won big. And so it was just a matter of seeing the individual play. So I was kind of denied that thrill of watching us go down 12 and then come back and roar past them. I didn't get to really enjoy that. But, I mean, still, just beating Indiana, who had it coming, we've owed it to them for, for like 20, what, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see oh, my God, 35 years. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, I'll go an eight 
for sure. Let's talk about it. 104 to 76. Um, I don't know if I have it in the notes here, but I'll just mention it when we're, since I just brought it up. In 1987, Auburn, this is in in Auburn Basketball from Barkley to Bruce, our book that came out in 2022 last year. Um, In that book, we talk about the 1987 season, which came to an end in the Hoosier Dome against Bobby Knight and the Indiana Hoosiers. And the thought that they made us play them in that arena is that's bad enough. But uh, that was a game that Auburn was winning handily, and then Bobby Knight threw a telephone and went bananas and at the referees and next thing you know they're calling every imaginable foul foul our entire team out and we end up losing 107 to 90 I believe and so I'm glad that we broke 100 I'm glad we beat them worse than they beat us I do wish we'd gotten to 108 but other than that it's a little too much to ask I guess but other than that um just a just a spectacular beat down on a team that really had it coming for their past sins amen yeah, revenge. Like that, I was still waiting. I had waited another thirty years, but we got it, and I'm happy about it. Yeah, before I died, I got to see us beat the living snot out. Think about this: if if we had done nothing else under Bruce, Bruce has led has has led us to big victories over Kansas, uh, North Carolina, Indiana, and Kentucky multiple times. And I mean, Kansas, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah Kansas, huge. Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Indiana. We've beaten the snot out of those four teams, and it's glorious. It's Amen. worth it just for that. I mean, most programs never get a chance to beat one of them, and we beat all four of them going away the last few times we played them. So that's just it's just spectacular. I, I honestly, um, but so the. As, as blah as our team was against Appalachian State, when still only lost by just a handful of points, but as blah as they seemed to be in that game, they were the complete opposite against, after the first five minutes against Indiana. What what happened? Was in, is Indiana that bad? They were like 7-1 and one coming into that game. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're legitimately good. The only game they had lost was to the reigning national champion UConn team. Yeah. So... I think they're a legitimate top 50 team. I think they're probably going to be in the NCAA tournament. They were missing their fifth-year senior point guard. Hmm. Okay? So I think that contributed a little bit, but that's not the reason we killed them. They're a big, slow, Big Ten team, and they don't have a lot of depth. And so they couldn't handle the speed and athleticism of, of Auburn. And then our... You know, defensively, we wouldn't let them get into any sets and do what they wanted to do. And offensively, we kind of, we, a lot of our guys had bad shooting days, especially against Appalachian State. Yeah. And we came out and ran some specific sets to get Aiden Holloway and some other guys some good looks, and they took care of it, and we made them pay for it. This game looked a lot to me like those games in the 19th season against Kansas and North Carolina, where we just kind of, did some things that just blew doors on them that they just they looked like they were giving up. They looked like they were realized they were beaten like halfway through the game and that that shocked me. Well here's the other part. Coming off our early season games, they were a big strong 
tall, physical team, and they came in with a game plan and said, we're going to stop Janai Broom, and if we and they do did. that, we got a chance to beat these guys. <laughs> and they held him to two points, they did. and we still scored 104. That's a, I Honestly, maybe we need to let more teams shut down Broom, because well, did you not get the sense that against Appalachian State, he was the only option? And in this game, he was the only option we didn't use. Well, I think we... They focused on taking him away defensively and let some things happen on the perimeter, mm. and that and then guys made shots. Right, they were open, makeable shots against Appalachian State, and we couldn't make them. And some of it's a credit to the crowd and the, and the road environment there. Mm-hmm. So, but this just I seemed like part- a complete opposite game from Appalachian State. It couldn't have been more opposite. It was, but so much just the nature of the team. Indiana yeah. is a tall, slow, big team. So they're good. They're the perfect team to defend Janai Broom. They have the size and ability to do that where a lot of other teams don't. Mm-hmm. And But they can't get out with us on the perimeter and they can't run with us. It showed. It showed. So it was in Atlanta in the Hawks arena. That Hawks stuff was everywhere, which is pretty cool. There were a lot of Indiana fans there. That I, I don't know that there was more Indiana fans than Auburn fans, but it, there were a lot. I heard it was close to 50-50, and apparently Atlanta is the second largest uh, like Indiana alumni uh, crowd wow. after Indianapolis, so I don't wow. know why. but That's weird. And, and they hadn't played in the South in a long time, so they, they have a big national following. Their fans are eager to be there. <laughs> well, I, I hope they enjoyed what they saw, John. <laughs> hope they, they had a popcorn. <laughs> I hope they went to the Coca-Cola Museum and the Aquarium. I hope they did, because that's where they had their fun. They sure didn't have any fun inside that arena. No. 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 Not. But they had fun for about three minutes. Yes. They're a terrible three-point shooting team, and they don't <laughs> shoot a lot of three-pointers. And they made a couple in the first two minutes, and I was like, that is some BS. That is not going to continue. And it didn't. The score was 9-6 to six at one point. It was all three-pointers by both teams. I was like, what is this? That was insane. And, yeah, they don't think they made three the rest of the game. That's weird. Um, it was cool that graduation was going on. Uh, 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 walk-on Jalen Harper. Is that uh, yep. Little, uh, Little Harper? Yep. He, he graduated and then came to the game, and they celebrated with him, which was awesome. And then after the game, Dylan uh, Cardwell hauled it back over to the loveliest village, and he got to walk with the business school. So, and he graduated magna cum laude. Look at Dylan. That's awesome. That was very impressive of Dylan to get that that magna cum. He had the ropes and everything, man. That's a pretty good day to be a, a beat a a big name team like Indiana on national TV on an NBA court, and then drive back and graduate. That's a pretty good day. Professor Caldwell. I was wondering where ever happened to Jumbo though. Jumbo kind of disappeared. He was around for a while, but uh, he's kind of disappeared off of the scene. It's too bad. Um, uh, speaking of, of tigers with big personality, Boris is not joining us tonight. He's otherwise engaged, but uh, I think we'll have to, we'll have to make it without him tonight. I actually do have my voice, so I don't need him to talk for me. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, definitely our best game of the season. We, I'd been asking the question on Twitter the last few weeks, was this our best game, our most complete game, or whatever. I don't think there's any question now which game was no. our best and most complete no. game. And again, it was the best game for the team, but mm-hmm. obviously, like, and Janai played well defensively against their good players, but he didn't. He didn't have to do a whole lot. But it was the best team game, top to bottom. Everybody 
played well. People, a lot of people were making shots, and 25 assists to three turnovers against a team that's top 50 in defense. I, I got to mention the turnover. That's incredible. The 25 assists, three turnovers is incredible. But you realize it was two turnovers until yeah. the last, literally the last second. We were letting a shot clock. We were we were one second off, I guess, on the shot clock and the game clock, letting the game clock run down, and they actually called a a turnover on shot clock violation so that Indiana could inbound the ball and the buzzer go off. And so if we had held it at two, it would have been a an Auburn record. I guess we tied the record instead of setting the record. And it was the like you said, it was the end of the game, so like literally the walk ons were on with the ball. Yeah, that's that's like if you're gonna win a game by shutting somebody out and in the last second you take a safety. You're like, ah, oh, you know, you really didn't give up any points, but you still it looks like you did. Auburn is second in the NCA in assisted baskets. Yeah. Means the the percentage of the baskets that we have an assist on and and it's awesome. Like the team is really passing the ball well. The two point guards are playing great, but everybody else is setting each other up for shots, dude. You well, can see it. I have a theory about that, however. There's a there's a dark light layer to every cloud, to every silver lining, right? I suspect that that while that's very much earned, I suspect it's not hurt. It doesn't hurt that when we come down the court and just throw up a shot with no chance for an assist, we always miss. So the only shots we're <laughs> making are the ones where there's an assist. You see what I mean? Because they're getting – well, because we're passing them and setting up players in a yeah. better position to yes. shoot. So. Yes, we're doing good stuff there. But, I mean, that number would – that percentage would come down if we were making first shots. But we always miss those chuck and duck shots that KD, you know, often will take, for example – Although he did have a couple of really good moments in this game, and so if your if your shot percentage without an assist is like zero, then every shot you're making has an assist to it. That's going to raise your you know assist number proportion a little bit. For that's all I'm saying. Um, so what do you think about our uh, our new guys like Denver Jones, Aiden Holloway, and um, B- Chad Baker Mazar and others? I mean they they've been kind of inconsistent this season, but. They have, but I think it's, again, we only need two or three guys to have a good game in any particular day to beat just about anybody. And, you know, Denver Jones hasn't been quite where I want him to be. He needs to be more aggressive and more confident. And he came out in this game, and he was. He scored a bunch of points at the beginning Mm. and kind of set the tone for us. And then Holloway, you know, he'd had a couple of bad shooting days. But we went out of our way to run a set play for him at the beginning of the game and get him a good three-pointer mm-hmm. and, and a couple of those early on. And it was working, and he made them, and then he started cooking after that. And he had 27 points. He is a great player. Yeah. And I think he may have a couple of off days here or there, but most of the time he's going to be a difference maker. And then I think Baker Mazzara is a, you know, I think spiritually he's – KD 2.0 whatever like he's yeah. super energy way over the top I you know he cusses at the opponents in Spanish apparently on the court and, uh, and <laughs> that's, he and we, KD that's are, the missing ingredient we've been needing <laughs> and he and KD rev each other up which is probably not the best recipe for us sometimes but he's another guy who could be a real streaky shooter um, and, and a guy that could get hot on a given day and come out and score 20 points you know with some good outside shooting. So I think 
they, I think they're all fitting in well. People are sharing the ball. They're, you know, they're playing. And the other part is, I think this team plays really hard on defense, right? We focus on the offense stuff and the shooting percentage stuff, but this team is tough on defense. Oh, Indiana yeah. was very complimentary after the game. They said we did. They Albert did not let them get into their sets and do anything they wanted to do from the opening tip. Auburn would not let them go where they wanted to in the court and do what they wanted to do. And again, Auburn is coached very well on defense. We're in good position. We know what the other teams like to do. And in this game, we did a bunch of smart stuff. We switched our matchups. We placed, we played our center against their big power forward guy, Renault. And then we played Jalen Williams uh, and Chandy Johnson against their big, tall center, who is a skinnier guy, but who that wanted to play a little further smart. away from the basket. And it was really smart, and it absolutely messed them up. And then we double-teamed the big center guy whenever he got the ball, and he had a terrible game. He couldn't handle it at all. Hmm. And all, and also, I think our guards, I mean, I are playing excellent defense as well. I think, you know, obviously, like, when KD comes in, he gives us a big um, – Defensive spark, but I think Trey Donaldson's had a great defensive. Really, oh, good Trey Donaldson too. has been great this season. Yes, the the, so. the one thing that Trey Donaldson hasn't really done that's jumped out so far is drive to the basket, and you know, like Javon McCormick and Harper yeah. both were really good at just taking over the game when they needed to by driving the basket. It seems like Trey is more of a dish it out and shoot threes kind of guy. He hasn't developed that attack dog personality yet to go at the goal. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he does some, but it doesn't – when I think about Trey Donaldson, I'm not visualizing him taking it to the rim. Yeah. But, I mean, that may come, right? Probably. Yeah. Because it would need to. All right, a couple of things about that. You're talking about KD Johnson. I love that the color analyst on the on the broadcast said that sometimes KD Johnson plays for both teams. Tonight he's just playing for Auburn. That was a really good line. That's a very Truth. good line. Truth. And you're, you're right about the defense, and it's really a nice luxury to have Janai Broom out there doing all that he does, and when he goes and sits down – you put you can put Dylan Cardwell out there, and he's not the he's not the scoring guy that Broom is, but he's just gonna bring the defense even more. I mean, you know, Broom plays methodical workmanlike defense that can be very effective, but Cardwell is like KD Johnson playing defense for a big man. He's passionate, he's emotional, and he's fiery, and he makes him he lets you know it, you know, when he when he does something. And and I mean I'm glad Broom doesn't do that, but I'm glad we have somebody that does. And so we don't really lose anything when we're subbing these guys out. You know, our our players have said we have ten starters. So they don't care who it is or who's out there or who's doing it. They have confidence in everybody. And then the other guy we haven't talked about was Jalen Williams, who was SEC yes. player of the week in basketball. Huh. You know, Chaney Johnson got in a little bit of foul trouble, uh, so Jalen Williams had to play more minutes than anybody on the team, probably anybody on the team's played this season, and finished with 24 points, six rebounds, seven assists, a block, and a steal. He's got it in him. He's just yeah. never – he just rarely shows it. He's a – you know, the thing about him, and he's – He's got. He's the winningest Auburn basketball player of all time, I believe, right? Because this is his fifth yes. year with Auburn. The thing about Jalen Williams is he plays with the personality and the style of one of our sixth men 
and we've had a bunch of those under Bruce, right? From Horace Spencer and Malik Dunbar, Dunbar. through just a bunch, right? We've always had those those forwards that could get you a few points, maybe hit a three, play some good defense, pick up some fouls, right? We've always had those guys as kind of the spine, the bedrock of our team. The thing about Jalen is I think he's better than that. I think he can he can be a frontline player when he puts his mind to it. He just doesn't always do that. He kind of defers. And um, it's going to be interesting to see because this is his last rodeo. So we'll see. But I hope, I hope we – Again, I don't think he's ever he's going to take this many shots that often, but I think hopefully this game gives him the confidence to be assertive when he, you know, when he needs to be, when he's in the right position and other and we need a basket, he can make it happen. He had that one mm-hmm. basket early in the game where he did kind of a step back three. Yeah. And that was a big time shot. Oh, speaking of that, Aiden Holloway's three where he spun the guy around. Yeah. Oh, come on. That was like, you know, in the video game when you make a move and the computer glitches and the other player just kind of spins around and bumps into the wall a bunch of times. That's what it looked like. He messed up his CPU. That was so good. God, that was so good, man. Oh, so, yeah, we hope this team can continue to come together and continue to play like this. Um, It is astonishing that we put over 100 points on the board with Janai Broom getting, what, two? Two. That's incredible. That I mean, it didn't even seem like the same team that played Appalachian State. I wouldn't have thought it was this. It even made sense. It's just crazy. So, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the team we were playing, but a lot of it is the things that we were doing that that changed the formula. The other thing I want to say about the Appalachian State game is again, Bruce and his staff do a great job scheduling mm-hmm. our early season games, making them tough, but also a variety of styles. But they scheduled that game at Appalachian State on purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always joke about don't go on pl- football, don't go play a yeah. you know, group of five team on the road. But in basketball, our first conference road game is at Arkansas. And Bruce and them did not want that to be our first road game of the season. They yeah. wanted this team to play in a true road environment before we go to Fayetteville. So that's why they scheduled the Appalachian State game. And it was a tough road game, and it's going to help us when we go to Fayetteville, that they've well, been through that. When we go to Arkansas, the battle cry is going to sound a lot like Michigan a few years ago. It's going to be, remember Appalachian State. That's We're going to be doing that same thing. Remember Appalachian State, boys. Let's don't go out there and, and mess around and, and, and do what we did there, where only one thing is working and it's, and it's not enough. Um, so, yeah, we've got UNC Asheville Wednesday night in Huntsville, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern on SEC+. Plus. And then we play Southern Cal at the Peacock at Neville at noon. What day is that? Sunday. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Sunday in Neville Arena, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Uh-oh. Late breaking word. One member of the AU Wishbone will be in attendance for the Southern Cal game, and it will not be me, and it will not be Boris, and it will not be Jared. It will be John. You're going to be there. I will be there going down to visit my parents this weekend. I will be at the Southern Cal game on Sunday. I am fired up. All right. You got to eat an ice cream sandwich for me. I'm your man. Tell me how good it was. Let me kind of experience it through you. I want to. Um that's awesome. That should be a fun one. Are they where? Where? Where are we? What do we think of Southern Cal this season? They're they're one of those uh, programs that can be very good and can kind of be nothing. 
Yeah, they're they're good. I mean, the, neither Auburn or Southern Cal is ranked. We probably both should be ranked. They're they're like us. They're in the top thirty for sure. Mm. They have a lot of talent. Remember, we played them out there last yeah. year. I think we lost in a close, hard fought game. Yeah, LeBron James' son is on this team. Oh, that's right. And he's back. He's healthy. He played last weekend. So, uh, there, you know, there's a theoretical chance LeBron James shows up and watches the game, like in the stands with Barkley or whatever. So, Ooh, you know, that'd be uh, fun. We'll, yeah, that would be the, uh, that would uh, be exciting. So, <laughs> they're they're you know we haven't had a lot of big time non conference games at Neville, right? We played some of these games like. In Atlanta, you know, we played right. Memphis and, mm. uh, you know, and we played Indiana there. But we haven't had a lot of big-time games come to Neville. Uh, I think – didn't we have – were we scheduled to have North Carolina come, like, because Lebo was the coach and then maybe Probably. Came, they canceled it or something. So, Probably. That um, sounds right. This is going to be a good game and a good team, and, and I think it's going to be a, a real challenge. They're athletic, and they have some explosive wing players. That's going to be tough for us. I remember we had UNLV come one to, to into Auburn years ago when they were at the height of their powers, and they beat the snot out of us. That was the year, I think, after we beat them in the Elite, in the elite Eight. To, I mean, mm-hmm. in the Sweet 16 to get to the Elite Eight. And um, they came in and I, hammered us that year. Armin the Hammer Gillian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gerald Patio and that whole crowd. Gerald Patio Furniture. Yeah. <laughs> he was not furniture. He, he hit us with some patio furniture. <laughs> that was about what that went. All right, so anything else hoops before we move along? No, other than that was just, it was fun. It was cathartic. I was out raking leaves and listening to the Auburn radio broadcast, and... Uh, a couple times we would make the big comeback, we'd make a big shot, and I would be like, "Yes!" And my, you know, I'm yelling, do a big fist bump, and my neighbors are all looking at me like, "Is that guy do it?" <laughs> oh no! As much leaf raking as you have to do, I'm glad I don't have as many trees as you do. We, we've got we've Listen, got three small trees, and they just I, do their thing. I deeply sympathize with Sisyphus right now, okay, <laughs> because we had a, you know, I did all that leaf raking on Saturday. We had a big storm last night and the the leaves are all ba- the all rest back. of the leaves are on the trees, blew down and in the yard, and now I'm Some like, of the old ones came back. Well, we've got the Music City Bowl coming up December 30th. I'm excited. I'm going to be at that. This will be my second Music City Bowl in a row with Auburn to get to go to. I've always said Nashville is like the second closest place Auburn plays currently that I can uh, I can see them and so after after Missouri so I'm I go there whenever I get the chance didn't get to go to the Vanderbilt game this year and I was disappointed about that but I'm I'm be definitely going to Music City you won't have to sit in an in construction stadium in this oh, scenario either so. well that's the thing is that um the Music City Bowl is in a pretty nice stadium. It's in the Tennessee Titans NFL Stadium, which is a really pretty cute little stadium. I mean, it's nice right there on the, I guess, on the river in, in Nashville. And, um, isn't it? Or something like that. But it's, yeah. um, it's cool. We're going to play Maryland, and that'll be a very interesting – it's just a matchup I can't even fathom. We're gonna, I guess we're going to break that down maybe in a week or two, right? Next next week's podcast will be the Music City Bowl preview. So Okay. So December 18th. December eighteenth, and then and while we're talking about it, let's go ahead and mention. So if you know, if you think about it, if our next episode is on the eighteenth, then we've got a Christmas and a New Year episode, and that's not going to happen. So we have put our heads together and decided to to push them ahead one day. So instead of recording on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, 
John and I will be doing the show on December 26th and January 2nd. Just a programming note, out of our normal flow, we'll be recording on Tuesday night. Tuesday, at some point during the day or night on Tuesday of those two weeks. And and the January 2nd one will be Van's recap of the bull. Yeah. And also somewhere right in the middle of that, we will be doing over on the White Rocket podcast our like eighth annual, seventh or eighth annual Lord of the Rings trivia battle. That'll be fun too. So for those of you that don't, (laughs) yeah, for those of you that don't know, for like the last seven or eight years, I don't even remember, uh, John and I have been doing Lord of the Rings uh, trivia using the Lord of the Rings trivial pursuit from the movies. And it's almost always a tie, or if one of us wins, it's by like one. It's just astonishing how close we are at that. And so if you haven't ever heard them and you want to get have some fun, go over to the White Rocket podcast, which is at whiterocket.podbean.com, uh, sister show to this one where we put in various pop culture things, and you can go back and listen to them. Um, and then we will be uh, posting this one when we record it. It should be a lot of fun. So, let's see. Meanwhile, we've got a little uh, football recruiting and also the portal. The portal is open. Whoop, 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 whoop. We're going to get better at celebrating. So, um, the portal taketh away. It does, and it's taking away a few. Who's leaving us? So, since our last podcast, uh, safety Marquise Gilbert, Tight end Tyler Fromm, wide receiver Malcolm Johnson Jr., and defensive end Wilkie Denod have all entered the portal. But the biggest news was a player who is not entering the portal and not going to the NFL draft. Yes. And that would be Keontae Scott, Nickelback. There you go. A, a guy that we said on this podcast might be our most valuable defensive player heading into this season yeah. is coming back for next year. That is. Wow. That's huge. huge. I mean, that's like signing a five-star player, basically. It is. It really is. you got to think about, when you think about recruits and transfer mm-hmm. portal guys, we would never get a defensive back in the transfer portal as good as Keontae Scott. Yeah. So that's huge. I'm surprised Ty, uh, Tyler Fromm is leaving. I guess he just feels like he's done everything he can do at Auburn. He's wanting to go try just something different, right? And I wonder where he's going to end up. I mean, I you know, we don't we didn't feature the tight ends – other than our guy Fairweather, very much right. Right. There, what uh, I'm trying to, I'm looking to see. Did Tyler from catch a pass? He caught three. Three. Okay. Probably against Sanford. Right. So, you know, I think he looks around and goes, you know, I, I'm sure we wanted to have him back. He's a good blocker on the. I say he's a good blocking tight end. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's that's more than half their job. But he is. still wants to be able to. Again, I can never blame a player that feels like he has more potential than he gets the chance to show. I understand that, yes. right? So that's fine. And that's I mean, like I all of these players that are leaving are players that, you know, Fromm probably has played the most of all of them. The others, you know, mm-hmm. Malcolm Johnson Jr.'s played a little bit, caught a few passes, but mm-hmm. you know, he sees the receivers coming in and and sees what happened this year and knows he's probably going to go get more playing time somewhere else. Wasn't he pretty much one of our top 2 or 3 receivers this season? Johnson. He was. I mean, he's fast. He's productive. But again, he caught six passes. Wow. I did not realize it was that few. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so. Fairweather caught 33. Jay Fair caught 30. Okay. Javaris Johnson caught 19. That's, I'm thinking about Javaris. Okay. Yeah. So Malcolm Johnson's a good, productive guy, but 
yeah, he, you know, flashes of ability, but I, yeah. you know, I wish, I wish all these guys well. So losing that great named player, Wilkie Denaud, that's a great name. That is a great name. Seems but like, again, sounds if, like if, a band leader from the twenties or thirties. Yeah. And we already had, we talked about the guys last week. We had a few defensive linemen already enter the portal. Like if you're a defensive lineman and you didn't sniff the playing field this year when we were down guys <laughs> and stuff, then that is mm. a sign. Yeah, not not good. All right, so lots of official visits coming in. We've got one player already on board for sure um, as a transfer, Robert Lewis, the wide receiver that had a big year for Georgia State. Now, he was a three-star coming out of high school, and I don't want to build him up as anything he's not. He was a three-star coming out of high school, didn't have a lot of big offers, ended up going to Georgia State, but he did have a big year for Georgia State, relatively speaking, okay, and he's really kind of coming in to, to provide leadership and, and experience, maybe help the freshmen and, and, and catch a few passes for us, too. So, you know, he was pretty excited to get to come from Georgia State to Auburn, and that makes sense. So, I'm again, I'm not saying he's, you know, Jerry Rice coming in or anything, but, but that's nice. That's another good com- complimentary piece. No, he's a proven wide receiver. He caught 70 passes this year, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a... It's a good thing. Yeah. And you could say, oh, is it Georgia State? Nah, nah, nah. You know, but I, you know, they played Georgia Southern, one of their big rival games. He caught 12 passes in that game, right? That's he caught good. nine passes when they played at LSU late there. There you go. So I, I think he can play. I think he's, you know, a, a dependable receiver. And unlike a lot of the other guys we brought, we signed last year, he will be in spring practice. So That's he'll right. be there. He'll go through spring practice. We're in the offense. He'll be there with quarterbacks much better chance to contribute yeah and we need some bridge players we're bringing in this great freshman class and they're going to make some plays but you can't depend on them to be the whole receiving core we need a couple of guys to help us get from here to there oh yeah yeah the foundational before you start throwing on the fancy yeah um so what are we thinking is coming up beyond him i mean he's just the very very beginning we've got it looked like a lot of off, five or six offensive linemen we've like made mm-hmm. offers to or had or, or have had hosted so far, or gonna host or whatever. A couple of defensive. It looked like a lot of line people coming in for both sides of yeah. the line. Both sides, a lot of offensive and defensive linemen. There's a big offensive lineman from Southern Miss that visited us in one of the Mississippi schools, and I think is going to decide this week. There's several big defensive linemen that were all over that have been productive guys other places, the kind of guys we brought in last year, like the Maryland and the Purdue guy, that we need somebody to come in and and uh, be some big, strong bodies on the line, some depth. And so I think we're going to take a couple of those kind of guys. If we could get a, you know, a pass rusher or whatever, that'd be great, but those guys don't grow on trees. No. Um, so they'll see what they can do out there. But we did, you know, uh, there are some solid players out there. I think we're not going crazy for like a top end quarterback. I think we're trying to fill in some depth at other positions. We've also talked to a few, we've had a few defensive backs that are coming on campus to see do we want another experienced safety or corner on the roster too with the guy, other guys we're losing. So, um, what do we know? What's what do we know about Seth Wilfred? So, switch it over to recruiting for a moment. Seth Wilfred is a Juco. Offensive tackle that signed with Auburn today. He went to this Juco college in California, the same one actually that Keontae Scott went to. It's like Mountain Valley or something like that. And he uh, has three years left to play. So he's a lot, they view him a lot like Xavier Miller, too hmm. tall Miller, where he's a big, tall offensive tackle with some athletic ability they think can develop but can come in and help play next year. And I think 
it's interesting what they're doing with the transfer portal so heavy the last two years. JUCO signees have really dropped off. The number of colleges signing JUCO players has really dropped off. So I think the ability to get good players out of JUCO is there in ways where you, you know, you might have been taking a instead of this guy, you take it some transfer that hasn't played or whatever. This guy's played some football and you have tape on him and you, you know, you talk to his teammates um, and stuff. So it, I feel like that's a good, you know, a good chance to take on a guy who's. Uh, got some size and ability. So let's see. We've got um, top targets that are visiting that are we're we're trying to get in. Ryan Williams, obviously, he's reclass. He's a receiver, right? This reclassifying yep. the twenty twenty four. Where does it look like he's going? I mean, I know he's one that if we got him, we'd have three huge receivers <laughs> in this class. But I, he's like maybe the best player of the country. Uh, but he's a wide receiver. His dad went to Auburn, and he's committed to Alabama. Oh, so boy, one of those, and you know who you can thank for that? Yeah, I think it would be potatoes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Guy came to Auburn, got zero attention, and then developed an attachment to Alabama when he was getting denied the attention for years by us. Who so, is his father? Not Duke. You'd have to go back for that, right? Who was his father? What other Williams? I mean, we've had a lot of Williamses over the years. I'm just trying to think of. Uh, uh, I could have told you before you told me, <laughs> before you asked. Yeah. Um, I, Duke Williams was a receiver at Auburn. I mean, he didn't have to play receiver, but I'm just trying to think. That we've had a lot of Williams. Cadillac. Um, we've had a lot of Williamses over the years. Like up there, Williams and Davis, we've had a lot of. Auburn has been Williams and Davis University over the years. <laughs> like like William and Mary, we're Williams and Davis. <laughs> and Jackson. I'll throw Jackson in there, too. Williams, Davis, and Jackson. Attorneys at law. Well, in any case, um, yeah, he's reclassifying and apparently would be able to graduate pretty early. And, uh, man, it would just be incredible to have all three of those guys. Wouldn't it? Would one of them leave? Like, would one of the ones we already have leave if we got Ryan Williams? Are they all three going to want to come to the same yeah, team? No, his, his dad was Ryan Williams. He is Ryan Williams. He's Ryan Williams Jr.? Yes. Okay. I don't remember him. I don't remember what he played. I think John's he played defensive back um, okay. for us in the in the early uh, Tuberville, Terry. Yeah, I think in the Tuberville late Tuberville days. Okay. Well, God bless him. I hope he becomes an Auburn Tiger. That sounds really good. KJ Bolden is the safety that we've been working on forever. He committed to Florida State, but we've really never given up on him. There must have always been some sense that he's not a, entirely on board with the criminals. Yeah, he's a, again. These guys we're talking about here, Ryan Williams, KJ Bolden, the next guy, are top ten in the country players. Yeah. So five star, absolute stud guys. There's plenty of other guys we're going after, but KJ Bolden is a, the best safety in the country, and he's committed to FSU. But you're right, we're not letting go. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay on top, keep going after him, keep going after, him, keep going after him, and I think he's listening. So seems like it. Well, and, and the I other mean, one, you think that you, you think that our coaches are like, yeah, you can go to Florida State and get left out of the playoffs. <laughs> yes, you know they are. Yes. You know they're saying that to everybody. Oh, you guys worked so hard and played great, and what are you getting for it? You getting to go play George in the Consolation Bowl, the Nobody Cares Bowl. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, I asked a trivia. I asked a question on Twitter yesterday. If if it was the other way around, if if Alabama had been undefeated and lost to Georgia by three points, um, would 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 Alabama 
be dropped down to six or whatever, would they be in the playoffs? And it was like 75-25 Alabama would still be in. Well, so, again, in your scenario, they beat Texas, so Texas is Well, the, I mean, yeah, but I mean, that, that notwithstanding, the point is, if it was Alabama in the exact same situation as Georgia, would Alabama have gotten done the way Georgia was? That's the question. And, and the answer is no. Alabama would be, not be treated the same way as Georgia. Alabama would absolutely have still been let in. They'd have rolled a red carpet out for him. It's disgusting, but that's what everybody knows. The worst. I was totally expecting. I'm surprised 25% said no. Um, um, let's see. All right. So we talked about Ryan Williams, KJ Bolden, uh, LJ McCray. I love that name. He's the five star defensive lineman. He's committed to Florida. But again, they're going through a bad stretch right now. We, we can fix that. Flipped one of their, we flipped one of their guys already, Waller. Yeah. And we're going full speed on, on McCray to try to get him. He's, uh, supposed to be visiting, and I and think we're gonna we're putting a big push on him too. Waller's working on him. Waller said, "I think Waller's quote was, they can't block both of us.' <laughs> I love that. He's like, come on to Auburn with me, and we'll make it. You know, they can't stop us both. That, that's great. That's fantastic. I love when the players start jumping big time in recruiting. Walker White's been doing that since day one. Oh yeah, I'm loving seeing and, him. And uh, Perry Thompson too. He's oh yeah. God bless Perry Thompson. The more you, yeah, that makes it harder for him to decide to leave. I think. All right, and then there's uh, Dylan Gentry, uh, has has is a preferred walk-on commit, wide receiver from Central Phoenix City. Uh, he's a smaller guy, but he's on the state championship team. Teammate of Cam Coleman. Um, he he reminds me of. Do you remember when we when we flipped uh, Brandon Cox away from Florida? The yeah. year Spurrier went to the NFL, and all of his all of Florida's commits decommitted, and we got we got Brandon Cox, and we got um, there we got uh, um, Ace the uh, Obamanu, no uh, Aroma Shadu, yeah, we got Brandon Cox, we got Aroma Shadu, um, but you remember we also got that kid that was Brandon Cox's buddy that he liked to throw passes to, wasn't it like a five star oh, anything? Yes. Just yes, a little, I know little exactly here. Lee guess, Lee guess, Lee guess. Wow, that's doing the deep cuts tonight. I tell you, man, that's what we're here for. I think Dylan Gentry is kind of like the Lee guess to Cam Coleman. I like it. Yeah. So and but hey, they end up. That doesn't mean he, he can't contribute. He, yeah. he caught some play. Nope. He caught, He's playing on a team won the national, won the state, state title at the biggest yeah. division. He can play. He can play. Um, but preferred walk on, yeah. So he's on. So there's another receiver. So we're still bringing in. All right, December twentieth is early signing day, which I mean that's basically become signing day, hasn't it? Yes, it's ninety percent of signing day. But also we saw last year guys that went through that signed there that went through spring practice. They played a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. So December twenty, it's that's like nine days from when we're recording this. Eight days from when most people are listening to it. Just barely a week. Just barely over Not a week. Far away. Not far. And as we get closer, and I'm I telling you, I have a lot of faith in this. Right is coming. That's it. That's right. Um, and and I mean, I feel like when it when it's uh, when when uh, oh. Huh, that's weird. I, I feel like when that day is over, people are going to be saying... I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Frosty! That's it. So, top ten class possible? Absolutely. No, we're right there on the edge, and we don't have... A, we have a, a bunch of space still available. I think we're going to get three or four more players, and I think we're going to move up definitely into the top ten. 
So it's going to happen. I think we're 11 last I checked. Yeah, but I think on we're 11, but I think on average player we're like fifth. Yeah. Well, and for 2025 we're currently fifth. Yeah. Um, so it's you know, especially like the guy we the JUCO guy we just signed, he doesn't even have a star ranking, so he's not helping at all on the ranking piece. Right. 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 So again, if we get a, a couple. You know, we get one of these five stars. We may be close to the top five, but if we get a couple more four stars. We're going to be right there. Solidly in the top ten, it will be that'd be amazing. Uh, tell us about the football schedule coming out while I try to get the Patreon logged in. So, you remember we don't know what the SEC football schedule fully looks like in 2024. We know who's playing who, but we don't know when, and we don't know every team's schedule. The SEC is kind of stealing a page from the NFL. They're going to do a big reveal show this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and the SEC Network. They're going to reveal the schedule. Wow. And we're going to learn who Auburn's schedule is. Here's the thing that I think is kind of cool. In the old days, in this past season and before, we had multiple networks showing SEC games, right? And so there was always this kind of two-week window where they were picking – And you wouldn't know exactly what time the game was going to be, right? Yeah. And so ESPN and ABC may hold some games to be in that kind of – it'll either be A or B or ABC. But there are going to be some games that tell you tomorrow, this Wednesday, we'll know what time some of those games next year kick off. So that's going to really help from a planning perspective as a fan traveling to games. That's going to be a huge thing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Okay, so that'll be 6 o'clock Central Wednesday on ESPN and the SEC Network, and we'll learn a lot of stuff there about the upcoming schedule. Sounds good. Sounds good. And that, and remember, that's going to be the upcoming SEC schedule that includes Texas and Oklahoma. It'll and, include Auburn's trip to Oklahoma. We'll find out what weekend that is. Oh, yeah, that's right. And here was something funny, just totally unrelated yet totally related is this afternoon I was putting together my annual top 10 TV shows series of, of 2023. And get this. So I was I go on to like IMDB or some – there's some website I went into, maybe Wikipedia, I don't know, that listed like shows that started this year, shows that are continued this year, and then had a list of shows that ended this year. So like, you know, Marvelous yeah. Mrs. Maisel and there's a bunch of shows that Head ended this show. year. Ted Lasso and Succession, and it said SEC on CBS. <laughs> I was like, whoa. It, it hadn't really hit me until I read that, and I'm like, dang, that's like a TV show. It's coming to its end of its run. We will never see another SEC on CBS game. I, I got to say, the one thing I am going to miss is that I'm going to keep going. I love that. That's a great, great song. Thank you, thank you. And they've been playing that since the 80s. They haven't changed that hardly at all since the 80s. Because when we did the like, research on the book, that's what starts off the Iron Bowl, the 89 Iron Bowl. I was going to say, it's like you at the soundboard. They cleaned up the audio a little bit, but it's the same song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, Oh, that's just weird to think that, that we've seen the end of it. Um, 
All right. So we've got. Uh, I got. I've. It's funny how as soon as you end a, a promotional thing for something, people all of a sudden hear about it, and I'm excited that people are still wanting to buy our book, and it's going to be out soon, but not quite yet because folks just paid a premium to get signed hardcover copies and paperback copies uh, on Kickstarter, and. I, those were for folks that wanted it for Christmas or wanted to give it for gifts or whatever or just wanted it before Christmas, wanted it immediately. And, I, and they're currently enjoying it, right? We've been seeing tweets and stuff of, of people reading the book, kick back, enjoying it, hopefully. Uh, one guy was giving us kind of a play-by-play -play as he was reading it, which was awesome. I forgot who it was now, um, uh, which is cool. And um, I really am anxious as people get deeper into it. I, you know, the thing I'm really waiting for is I want to see people's reaction when they get to that page where I spend the... I found this and put it all in there. I, don't, I didn't show it to you until I was done. But I spent an entire page going through all the parallels between the 1972 Punt-Bama-Punt game and the 1989 Iron Bowl, which, by the way, was only 17 years apart. It took... People wow. our age, John, doesn't it seem like that the 72 like game the was dark 50? Ages. It was 50 years before the 89 game, and yet it was 17 years. So I'm really curious to see what people think about like a page and a half of 72, 89, 72, 89, just the same. It's, it's, it's like the two that, that would be for, for math purposes, that's like the 2007 season in high Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's crazy. Um, all right, so that book will be out. It's called First Time Ever. It'll be out on Amazon, and then bookstores can get it and everything uh, probably in a few weeks or whatever. we still got to find out if we're going to do uh, a book signing maybe in Auburn or something. And, oh, I am planning to set up uh, some kind of an email newsletter for folks that, that, that just want updates very occasionally. You know, I can't stand getting spam. I would never spam anybody else. Um, but I would just, I'm going to set up a thing where if you want to know John and Van are going to be in Auburn signing something or John and Van have a new book out or here's how you can get the book that you're waiting on. Just something like that. Just send out an update every few weeks or months or whatever, just with some critical, important information. I'm going to set that up on MailChimp or something like that. And I'll let, I'll let everybody know when it's ready. Uh, meanwhile, do we have any? Do we have anything before we recognize the patrons? I think everything that we've been doing has come to an end, hasn't it? Well, except the new thing we're doing, the, thing. the bull pick'em, which is underway now. And you need to, if you're a patron, you should receive an email from us and ESPN.com inviting you to the bull pick'em, and you need to get in there and get signed up and get your bull picks in because the bull starts Saturday. So don't wait till Saturday because you're nope. going to be behind. Get them in now. Get your picks in now. You can compete against Van and I, and most importantly, Boris, yep. and take your shot. Oh, Boris, man. I got to go make sure he gets in because that would be a tragedy if he messes around this year. I think last year he messed around and didn't get, didn't get in on time. The year before, of course, he dominated. So we got to see. We got we to gotta make sure we don't let that little rascal win again. We got to, and, and it looked like, you know, as many people as played our season pick them, I bet we're going to have a whole lot of people playing this time, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, and by the way, if you don't know how to play, it's, it's um, all you have to do. Oh, we're having a little internet outage here. Um, good old AT&T, back and doing it again. Um, if you want to play, 
is for the patrons. So just go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com, click on the big orange button. There's a bunch of other stuff that can distract you on that page, and you can come back and look at it later. But the first thing you need to do, the most important thing, is go in there and click on the big orange button to become a patron. It'll take you over to Patreon where you can sign up. Put whatever clever name you like in is your name on there, and that's what I read on the air, and it's always a lot of fun. And um, that that is your key to let you play all the various competitions. Uh, we'll have, the, obviously, the big March Madness brackets coming up in a couple of months once the basketball season gets on, underway and everything. That'll be a lot of fun. We'll have the new Formula One because the Formula One takes like a week off and then they're back. So we'll have that coming up again soon. So there's a lot of fun stuff that we do, and you also get like notifications, like I was saying, about when our books are coming out or we're doing something like that. So jump on there, www.auwishbone.com, and support the show. It also prevents us from having to have advertisements, which is awesome because I can't stand ads on podcasts. All right, here are the – and I thank everybody who does it. My gosh, what more can you ask for? So here's what we do. And you get your name printed in our books. John, I'm doing too much for the patrons, John. I'm doing too much for the patrons. We've, we've got to settle down. We're, we're just – we give, man. We just give. You're, we're givers. We're givers. We're giving we, – some would say we do too much for them. But I think we do just enough. I think we do just – I hope. I hope that we're doing just enough. Here – are the fine folks who are currently able to answer that question. They include, oh, and I've got it squared away this time. I've been doing Samuel wrong all this time, but I've got it figured out this time. Samuel Salvatore says, Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. With pearl white snow. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, let's see. We've got Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crockham. Logan Chilton says it could be. <laughs> but actually. Okay. Uh, Ann Pridgen. I believe Ann was like the first person to jump on the book uh, Kickstarter. We appreciate that, Ann. Kind of blaze the trail. Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David W.D.E. Salmons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC. <laughs> if Carol Shelby would have seen the Indiana fan base on, on Saturday, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. Oh, I love it. Mark always finds a good... Uh, he always finds a good thing for, for, them to be, for them, somebody to be saying that. Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner... Newly minted history PhD candidate Win Carroll, way to go, Win. Phil M. Thor, who always reminds us. No! 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 I'm devastated! I'm devastated! They're celebrating right in front of me! This is the worst! This is the worst! No! I'm telling y'all, you don't know what you're missing. Well, the next time we do a live video show, and we haven't done one in a while. Been a while, haven't I don't it? Know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we got to get John to do his interpretive uh, no. It's so good. All right. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Alex Browns, Auburn Football's Elvis, uh, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Bob WDE Salmons Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tiger, Sleazy Shyster 4. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. 
Uh, Boris says, bring back Guess the Game. I think Jack, maybe Jared is manipulating that Boris account. I'm not sure. Calibrating my fun meter in the back booth of... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Still getting a lot of play, old Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Bobby... Uh, Harry Zagger, H-Town Danny, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B, uh, Mr. Freeze. Uh, oh, 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 this is the, this is the cool, um... Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. There it is. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good combination. I can just listen to that one over and over and over. Doctor Who's on uh, Disney now, by the way, oddly enough. It's on Disney+. Plus. They've, they've gone from BBC America to Disney+. Plus. No one fights like Gaston, Algo Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Steve Harlan. Uh, the past, the present, and the future all walked into a bar. It was tense. There you go, man. Yeah. Theodore, Gary, Todd Robinson, Warhammer 6, WD, Richie, hoping for the Fab Five, Wiggle, Wiggle, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Bama was grabbing face masks. <laughs> I messed that one up because I laughed. Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title from the 1920s. That's fair. Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what? Brandon Smith, Corey Smyer, David D., David Simpson, Di Bama is locked in the freezer at... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage! That's no good. You don't want that to happen. Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors... Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season. Just know I'm still thinking it. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Wiggle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. A few more patrons left. Now, I don't know how to read that. Does that mean a few more patrons have gone away or there are a few more patrons left? Or I'm not quite sure what that means. I don't know it's what that's almost means. like an unspecific number of listener questions left. <laughs> oh god. Oh no. Oh no. Oh boy. Yeah, we'll get to that soon. Aiden Holloway is the answer to the question, who's your daddy? Yeah. I like it. Alex Wynn, A you falling up. Barls Charkley, I believe that's one of our newer patrons. We've actually been gaining them despite what that other person said. Uh, ben Amos, Ben Regas, uh, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. Uh, we uh, we got to get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, Evil HR Director for... Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. A, they get a lot of play on this show. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim Recrory, and Jim's been a contributor of some really good uh, Iron Bowl stuff to us lately, so I appreciate that from Jim. John Otsuki, John Stubbs, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains always reminds us that... You have failed me for the last time. Comma Barbecue, which would be a.k.a. Auburn Dad for Life. Mark Squire, M. MVP captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. New York Tiger is heading to Nashville. War Eagle. Oh, me too. Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland. Spooky! 
I am at the bottom of this list because... God bless it! Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. <laughs> we thank them all because... There they are. Oh, yeah, there they are, and they all rock. All right, so let me close out the blessed Patreon thing. We appreciate you guys so much. Go to www.auwishbone.com. Coming up, we have listener questions as well as around the SEC. But first, it is our weekly roundup of the miscreants, scofflaws, and ne'er-do-wells that collectively make up the worst coaches in the world. I actually did a Twitter poll today informally because I couldn't really think of who really qualified lately with the season kind of over and the portal and everything going on. So I asked Auburn Twitter who should be who should be the worst coaches in the world. Here are the top vote getters as I saw them earlier today. Number three for the bronze medal, Nick Saban. Purely this time for a lot of reasons, right? For a lot of reasons. But this time for his hypocrisy over the playoffs in Alabama. The general consensus seems to be that whatever path gets Alabama to the playoffs is the right path, and every other path is wrong. And if that changes every year, so be it. So be it. So be it. This is true. There you go. Your number two, your silver medal, is also an Alabama head coach, Nate Oates. And as one Twitter Auburn person said, he has done less with more this year so far than anyone. We can discuss. But finally, the number one worst coach, I put number three down, in the world is everybody's favorite, Potato, because he has essentially retired the trophy and everybody just happily said, yeah, go with him. And you know, I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that. So, as we barrel toward bowl season at the end of 2023, your retired the trophy for this year, Potato is the worst coach in the world. All right. Before we go into the transition to the listener questions, John, what do we know about Nate Oates? Well, I mean, they Alabama is a top 10 or so team in talent, and they've lost several games already this year. They've lost a neutral site game to Purdue on Saturday. Purdue's a you know top five team, but they were winning and kind of blew a lead, but they've lost some other games this year, and uh, you know uh, they're not getting it done. All I can say is... Why you can't, the monkey boy? But anyway, it's time for the most awkward transition in podcasting. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. There they are. 
All right, what do we got this week? All right, first question is from Preston Settle. Yep. <clears throat> Who says, John and Van, 16 teams may be too, too many for the SEC. As prime minister, I want you to kick two teams out of the SEC. Mm. Who are you kicking out and why? Mm. As always, War Eagle, Preston Settle. Well, the... The dilemma with that, because this is not the first time we've sort of thought about this, the dilemma we run into is you can kick out the really bad teams. Everybody's going to go to Vanderbilt and then pick your other bad team down there at the bottom no, of the barrel. I'm not going to Vanderbilt. I'm saying you can do that, but the problem is that's like throwing out the white meat from KFC and leaving nothing but the bones. You don't want to do that. So I'm always going to throw Alabama out. I'd throw Alabama out of a 800 story building. I have no problem whatsoever it, it throwing did. them up. Yeah, they, they got to go. The other I, one, though, I mean, I know everybody wants to kick Missouri out. I like Missouri being in the conference. I don't want to lose Missouri. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out South Carolina. I'm yeah. still mad about 92. We didn't yeah. need them. Nah. I, they don't need them. They're extraneous to, they're superfluous to, to requirements and, and redundant. Yeah. So I agree with that. That's fine. Again, I, I and I'd keep Texas and, and Oklahoma and kick Alabama out. Of, I'd be perfectly oh, good with it. Absolutely, that. sounds good to me. All right, what else we got? See, I think he, I didn't think people think we were going to go there. Oh, All right, our second question they don't tonight, know me. and our final question for tonight from Bill Miner, who says, right. "Guys, we play UNC Asheville this coming Wednesday at Huntsville, and it harkens me back to the horrors of the first real game in the new arena, as well as for Bruce's predecessor, and we lost in overtime to them." I even remember being a student and watching us lose uh, to AUM in an exhibition, Ooh. which was embarrassing. What is the worst basketball loss that you remember along those lines, or have you erased it from your mind already? Wow. Um, I mean, you know, you and I can remember all the way back to the 80s teams of Sonny, and I don't remember. I mean, like I said, I know we got blown out by UNLV, but that was a really good team. No, but that was the team that was they were national know, in the national, Final Four those years. Yeah, yeah, national There's champion. No shame in that result. No, I mean when he's did talking we, about when we lost to some nobody school, a New Mexico State of basketball kind of thing. Yes, and and in the in the dark days, right? Yeah, the dark days of. Which Auburn's had quite a few in basketball between oh, yeah. Sonny Smith and now. Oh, yeah. You know, there was the, a bright light for a while in the Cliff Ellis era. Yeah, it was. And then a lot of other darkness. There's some bad losses in there. There were. Um, we talked about them in the book, but just nothing's jumping out at me right now. Is like, oh, my gosh, how did we ever do that? I mean, I remember we. I remember one year. I don't remember when this was. Probably the 90s. I remember that we lost to like Marathon Oil in an exhibition game to start the season, and that's when you really know things are bad. Is when you're losing that, you're losing to a bunch of oil company guys that play on the weekend, you know, and that come in so you can do their do your Harlem Globetrotter on them, and they beat you. Yeah, that was when you lose to Marathon Oil. That's a bad one. That was a bad omen. I, yeah, I feel like we've lost to a couple of other really in that time period some small schools. Uh, yeah, that we had no business losing to, but I'm 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 drawing a blank as well. I'm going to ask the listeners for help on this yeah. one, and then we're gonna we're gonna report back next week. I'm going to ask some other people to do some research. I I know that I have witnessed some bad losses, but I have it, Bill's correct in this question. I have I have successfully wiped those from the memory bank, so yeah. I don't 
keep any of that information. Well, you know, again, not a bad loss in the term of who we played, but it is. it still fascinates me that, like, our last loss before Virginia in 2019 was getting absolutely run out of Rupp Arena by Kentucky, and then we turn around and beat them in the Elite Eight without Chuma. So in other words, a better Auburn team lost by like 40 in Rupp, and then a weakened Auburn team turned around and beat them in overtime in the in the NCAA Sweet Elite Eight. So... Um, Again, there's no shame in losing Kentucky, but it's so weird how the same team could lose by like 40 and then turn around and win in the NCAA tournament on against the same team. So, all right. Um, anything else from listener questionville? No, that's it. All Please right. send in your questions in a future week to aewishbone at gmail.com. And now we're going to load up Dolby Mobile for one last stop. around the FTC. Come on. Come on, man. What do we got going on? Let's see. Um, there's been a little bit of coaching stuff happening. Otherwise, we're just getting ready for bowl games. We are. We're in pre-bowl game season. Uh, A&M lost a, their big assistant. Their version of Cadillac Williams, the guy who had been interim coach, kept the team together. Some fans wanted him to get the head job. He was their defensive line coach. He left. He's going to be the defensive coordinator at Syracuse rather than stay and be the defensive line coach at A&M. And that, with a moment that he left, that's when a bunch of A&M players entered the transfer portal. I believe they're now number one in the SEC and most players in the portal. Uh, There's a, but they have some talented starters on offense, like offensive linemen that are in the portal. We, I'm definitely, I'm sure we're talking to those guys. Oh yeah. Well, we already got at least one or two, right? Because we got their. uh... Oh yeah. Their commits. That's it. And then uh, Florida's going through a bad time right now. They, you know, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Flor- Florida's going through a bad time. I, let me give him some sympathy. <laughs> There's some sympathy. I was going to say, I, I feel so bad. I, I just can't reach them where I could help yeah. finish them off or whatever. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're, but, you know, their best, one of their best offensive players is Trevor Etienne, the running back. He entered the transfer portal. I thought they, they thought he might go to the NFL draft or come back and he's going to go <laughs> just play going. somewhere good next year. So that's, <laughs> that's so they've good. They've lost other commits and the other commits they're fighting to keep. They're, they're good commits like McCray we talked about earlier. So they've had to replace a couple of coaches. Uh, because they were, as we discussed on this very podcast, a poorly coached football team this year. So There's a certain point, no matter how good your coach or your program is, there comes a certain point sometime when you lose the narrative war and there's nothing you can do, right? Freeze, bless his heart, even when things went against us a few times this season, Freeze was always winning the narrative war. Now, it being his first year helped. But he was the head of the game on the narrative war. And, and what I mean is there was never this point where the critical mass of, of, of onlookers said, oh, they're done. He's going to get fired. You know, that never happened this year. Whereas in Florida, you know, people look at that and go, nah, I don't know. I think, that's, I think they're done. You know, I think they're going to have to rebuild again. They're turning into Tennessee the last 15 years. And that's not where you want to be. That's not where you want to be. And, you know, as, as James Carville famously pointed out, although he wasn't talking about Florida, but I, I'm, this is the Florida corollary on it. When Florida is, you, when you look down off of your boat and you see that gator 
and he's he's splashing around and clearly drowning. That gator is he's that gator needs help, John. We got to do something for that gator because he's down there gonna drown. And you know what you do? You throw him an anvil, John. That's what you do to Florida. You th- when Florida's drowning, you throw them an anvil. I like it. And like also, Wiley Coyote. I mean, they're struggling. Georgia's at the top. Florida State's pretty close to the top. Tennessee's much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a bunch of teams that have built and kind of blown by them while they are struggling. Mm-hmm. So, I, there is an argument to be made that if Georgia's going to be this good, you need Florida to kind of counteract them a little bit. But with the divisions going away, I don't know that's quite the case anymore. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that, that logic worked in a division world. It doesn't work now. Doesn't work anymore. Right. Because if, if, uh, if Georgia's not playing Alabama, they'll be playing somebody. They, one part of the SEC, I, we talked about the SEC schedule being broadcast this week. Georgia's schedule uh, and, and a little bit of a couple other games here and there have leaked. Georgia plays at Alabama the week before Auburn goes to Athens. Oh, well, that is a heck of a back-to-back home stand for the doggies, isn't it, though? No, no, they're going to Tuscaloosa. Oh, they're going to Tuscaloosa. They're going to Tuscaloosa the week before we go to Athens. And then they go back home, and here we come. mm Mm-hmm. Oh. some logic thinks that might be the week they might send us to Norman, Oklahoma, and then to Athens or something. Well, I I like the idea of them playing Alabama um, because— It's a trap! It could be. I like it. I like it, like it, like it. I do, too. All right. Well, I think we brought this one in on time and under budget, and I think we should uh, congratulate ourselves. So, Van? Yes. There's no other podcast in America tonight that mentioned both Lee Guess and <laughs> Gerald Patio. Wow. Okay? You don't. You get your and money's worth. Okay, there's and no James podcast. No, there's n- there has never been a podcast in the history of the United States that has mentioned Lee Guess. Who was the second one? Gerald Patio. Gerald Patio, and James Carville. You don't get this from other podcasts, people. Truth. It is. I want you to put the word out there. That's right. We back up. Understand me? Yes. We back up. Back up. I think we should call it a night. Amen. Our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at AU Wishbone and at facebook.com slash AU Wishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.